DJ and PK brought to you in part by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles. Fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Time to talk college football with Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews. And he joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Brett, good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, Brett, we really couldn't not have you on. We had to have you on once we saw <laughs> you didn't just think the Utes are going to win the South. You don't just think they're going to win the Pac-12. You, at Pick 6 Previews, are predicting the Utes are going to be the four seed in the college football playoff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to a lot of Ute fans the last couple of weeks. Um, it's a pretty knowledgeable bunch. I got to meet a, a few down at the Rose Bowl last year. I was down there for the UCLA game when Utah stomped the, the hometown Bruins there. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll explain the, the madness behind the logic here. Um, so, basically, it just comes down to there's, there's five conferences for four spots, right? Uh, I have Clemson winning the ACC. That's an easy choice. I actually have Ohio State over Michigan in the Big Ten. And I actually have Georgia over Alabama in the SEC. So going against the national consensus there. For that last spot, it came down to the Big 12 champ or the Pac-12 champ for me. And uh, my Big 12 uh, contenders, Texas and Oklahoma, I see them both beating each other up and splitting that series. And then also I think Texas will lose to LSU. And I think Oklahoma will trip up with a, a pretty beaten down. And, and uh, you know, they lost their, their uh, offensive line to the NFL. So they have uh, personnel issues on offense there. So I think that the Big 12 will produce a two-loss champ. I think that Utah, uh, with its number one defensive line in the country, according to my metrics, a very experienced um, offense coming back for your starter quarterback, for your starter running back, workhorse, Zach Moss. Uh, but more so, just, uh, just an increased trust in this coaching staff. And my metrics in player development and win conversion, Utah's top five in both. Just a very proven staff, despite maybe lower recruiting rankings than you'd see from some of the brand names, but they make up for it with just tremendous program culture and, uh, and those metrics I talked about. So very confident with Utah this year. So then counting the title game, do you have them 13-0 and or 12-1? and Yeah, so I have them 12-1, and and this is the thing where I'm getting a lot of pushback nationally because people say that the Pac-12 is too weak and the teams have to go undefeated. I think that's kind of ridiculous. It's a great brand of football. Uh, I have to admit, I, I am on the East Coast, but I'm one of those guys that's up till 3 in the morning watching all these Pac-12 games. I uh, really appreciate the, the, the ball out there. So, so basically what it comes down to for me is I try and relate it to last year's Oklahoma team where they went 12-1, and they lost to Texas in the regular season, ended up uh, avenging that loss on championship Saturday. Uh, despite a soft schedule, when you look back at their schedule last year, Oklahoma did not have a, a tough non-conference slate. They had a lot of close wins, a lot of uh, the, the two-point conversion win against Oklahoma State, a field goal win against West Virginia. So it wasn't that dominant, really. The defense was terrible. Um, so for them to go 12-1, and avenge that loss in the, on the conference title Saturday and be enough to get into the playoff, I think Utah can follow the same path, where I think that they may trip up at Washington and Seattle, but we'll get that chance at a rematch on championship Saturday. And, and should they win there at 12-1, and that should be enough to surge into the, into the playoff. Brett Ciancia, Pick 6 Previews, joining us. You know, there are a lot of Ute fans who want to believe that this is true, but they look at the passing game and they think when they really have to throw the ball down the field in a clutch drive or when they get in a high-scoring shootout, they're not capable. The, when ASU gets the upper hand on the Utes' defense last year, the, the Utes can't keep scoring points. 
you point to a four-game streak last year that we all remember, the 40-point games, and you said they did something really different in the passing game there that kind of elevated them until they had the quarterback injury. Well, they got a new coordinator next year. Do you think the passing game is going to be that good? Are they going to go away from what they did in October? Yeah, that is one of the concerns I put in my book there. Um, So uh, we've been kind of waiting for that Troy Taylor offense to finally click, and it finally did happen there in October. Uh, You saw the use of that diamond formation, some misdirection, some play actions that were all hitting. uh, And you finally got to see Tyler Huntley really make that step in the passing game. And uh, and it's a shame, though, that the injury struck right then because that October slate, those four games, according to my game grader formula, Utah was playing at a playoff caliber. So, if, if, I mean, if you were able to continue that into November, I think you'd see a different win-loss record. It was still strong enough to win the South, but I think if you had Huntley and Moss healthy, I think that you win a couple of those games down the stretch. So, so can it continue? I, I tuned into the spring game. So let me preface with saying that part of my preview is I just watched hundreds of hours of uh, game tape spring games calling with uh, local podcasts and radio shows for insights. So I watched the spring game. I was a little worried when I saw the play calls were so complex that they were looking at big uh, play sheets. Uh, it, it looked like it took 30 seconds for Huntley to be you know, calling the play in the huddle. I know that's just some, some coaching scheme transition. I think that will be ironed out in fall camp. But it is something to worry about because, yeah, I was finally feeling confident with the Taylor offense and, and Huntley's role in there. And now, yeah, that, that is a question mark going forward. Also – a question mark replacing a couple guys along the offensive line. But I think that the, the skill player stable is really strong. You saw the receivers take a step forward last year. That had been a position group that had been holding Utah's offense back for quite a while. Uh, so to see that group all coming back, I think Jalen Dixon's a breakout potential. And uh, an underrated guy that's not getting much attention is uh, Devontae Henry Cole back from uh, two years ago. Hopefully he gets back to his form there in a uh, backup role. So you say you're from the East Coast, and I'm listening to you talk, and in particular words like on, when you say on, I'm guessing it's the Philly area. <laughs> yeah, I, that's great. You nailed that. I am out of the Philly area. <laughs> Jersey Shore and uh, uh, Southeastern PA, yeah. Well, the interview just got wrecked right there. It's all over. You have no idea, Brett, what <laughs> yeah. you've just done. You should have lied. You should have said I'm from Atlanta. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, it's pretty sad because out here it is just all, all pro football. I'm kind right. of the, the odd man out right. who loves college football out here. But it's all Eagles fans. It's all uh, New York Giants. you know. So I try and get away from it on Saturdays and do my whole 15-hour day. I uh, love it. Spent many summers at Ocean City, Brent. No, I'm down in Seattle right now as we speak. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pick six office out here. So, yeah, love it. Love the connection. Never thought I'd be talking Jersey Shore on, uh, on Utah radio. <laughs> I was born in North Jersey. Uh, but nice. uh, anyway, uh, one of the things, you know, you sent us, uh, some information There's 157 pages and I have to come clean. I did not read 157 pages, but I did read a lot of it and you've been doing this. What? Seven years. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's, uh, it's our eighth season. Yeah. Uh, we launched in 2012 and, uh, since then we've been rated the most accurate power five BCS. That's what I was going to get according to assassin.com. Right. And I read, obviously I read that. And so, you know, I know it's hard to tout yourself, but what do you think that you've been able to do that has allowed you to have been in this BCS college football playoff era to be the most accurate out of all these uh, unlimited amount of uh, preseason publications and predictions? Yeah, so I think it's a good balance. Um, So a lot of the analytics guys you see online, I have a respect for them and what they do, but I think they live a little bit too much in the numbers. I think you need to be able to balance that with, with what you see actually on the, on the field. 
Um, so I watch hundreds of hours of game tape, spring games, uh, calling coaches and coordinators, like I said. But I also develop my own set of advanced metrics that kind of just makes sense when, when, you, when you dig into it. I call it game grader. It really digs in further than just the scoreboard because you see a score come across the ticker. You don't really know exactly what happened on that Saturday. So it digs into the key stats of the game, yardage differential, turnover margin, uh, yardage per play differential, and uh, digs deeper and gets an actual raw score of how the team actually did. Uh, you adjust that for opponent strength, and then over the course of a season, you get a better feel for how really a team performed. So that's one of the things I look at. I look at all, all kinds of recruiting trends, but where some will stop right at the recruiting number, I actually dig deeper and look at how is the staff developing and how is the staff scheme? Because you can bring in five-star raw talent like USC does every year and not do anything with it and go seven wins every year. So on the, on the other side of that, Utah grades very well on those metrics because they bring in somewhere in the 35 to 45 range of uh, recruiting talent. But the Whittingham staff, Morgan Scali on defense, they, their schemes, their development, uh, the way they export players to the pros above expectation really molds them into a better, uh, better fit this year. So a lot of metrics go into it, tons of hours. Um, and just, I guess, a balance and knowing what little key metrics to look for. Who's the loss for Utah when you pick them to go uh, 11-1 and to the Pac-12 title game? Well, quite honestly, I mean, I think it's an easy schedule this year. Uh, Utah benefits from missing Stanford and Oregon out of the North crossover. Uh, the non-conference, uh, BYU, I guess, is a power five to some, a group of five to some. Well, however you, you, you chalk them up, it's going to be a battle down there. Uh, in the Holy War. So I'm a little worried about the BYU game from a Utah perspective, but besides that, uh, I think it'd be Washington. I mean, going on the road there, the Peterson and Lake staff on defense, um, but when November rolls around, I know right now they're a little bit raw and young, but by the time November comes around, I'm pretty sure they'll have a, a top five defense ironed out. So I think the Washington game will be tough. People are trying to say that the USC trip will be a, will be a tough one, but man, that game last year, the score doesn't really indicate, um, I know it was only like a 13-point win on the scoreboard, but outgaining USC by 350 yards is unbelievable. Uh, so I, I don't see why that would change overnight. They're going through an offensive scheme change, going from tailback U to five-wide air raid, uh, and the defense loses five all-conference players. So, yeah, I'm not too worried about USC. I'd say Washington's the one to worry about a little bit. So we've seen in the past that you don't even literally have to win your division, let alone your conference, and so you've got Georgia over Alabama but how confident are you that the voters wouldn't still put in Alabama if that's the only blemish? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I'm kind of relying on the, on the committee. I have faith in the committee that they would do the right thing. And the right thing to me is that you have to value the conference title card. Um, yeah, so if they both end up 12-1, and one, or I guess, yeah, Alabama would be 12-1 and one if they lost in the SEC title game. If they both finish 12-1, and one, you have to reward the Pac-12 champion. If you're not going to reward the Pac-12 champion, uh, with an identical win-loss record, you're basically saying that the Pac-12 is an inferior league, and then they might as well just call it the Power Four because it's ridiculous if you're going to keep out a, a one-loss conference champion. The only way that a one-loss conference champion should be left out is if all the others are undefeated uh, or if it's down to two champions head-to-head here and we have to look at resumes. But if you're looking at a runner-up to a champion, I get, you got to go champion. Especially, yeah. I just kind of try and put myself in their shoes, right? So on that last Saturday... I think the SEC game kicks off at 3.30. They'll be wrapping up around 7. So you're telling me about 12 hours from the end of that game to when they release the playoff bracket in the morning that they're going to say that that team that just lost in the field, they're going to still get in the title game or uh, in the playoff bracket. It doesn't make sense. So I have faith that, they'll, that they take the conference champ there. Maybe it's just me being an optimist, but um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. 
I've had, I would have faith that they would say that Alabama just lost to the number one team in the country and Utah lost to Washington, who has whatever record, I don't know, and Georgia's better, so Alabama's in. Thanks for playing. Good night, everybody. Yeah, you always worry about that, but I don't know. I, I, I hope it doesn't go that route. It'd be bad for the game. It'd be, like I said, it'd be basically devaluing the Pac-12. Um, I know that they've had some multi-loss champions in the past couple of years. I get that, but you're producing a one-loss champ out of a Power 5 league. That's got to that's got to hold some weight, or else we're just not calling the Pac-12 power league anymore, which I think is ridiculous. So, Brett, see, yeah, it'll be a good case study. Let's just knock out Alabama in October, and we don't have to worry about it, right? <laughs> Brett Cianci, a pick six previews. I want to ask you about one more team. Uh, Washington State has won four in a row over the Utes over six years because there's a couple of years they didn't play, but over the last six years they're four and zero against the Utes. Their coach, Mike Leach, got up at the Pac-12 media days and basically just went right to town on the media for overlooking them. He said they're 11-2. and they got a lot of guys back. Guys have been working to get better. They should be better than last year. I know a lot of people downgrade him because the quarterback changed, but he always seems to get a quarterback up to speed and playing well. So he doesn't seem particularly worried about that. Should the youths in particular and the Pac-12 in general worry about Washington State? Yeah, when you mentioned Mike Leach at a podium, I thought you were going to say he was talking about aliens or Bigfoot or something, but no, uh, he's a great interview. Uh, I think with Washington State, you can not you can never rule them out in a season. I, I made that mistake last year. We were coming into last year. I saw that they were replacing seven new coaches, their D coordinator, a record-setting quarterback in Luke Falk, their top two receivers, all-American linemen, and I was like, you know, there's no way that they can sustain that kind of transition. And all that happened was he plucked out another quarterback out of, the, out of nowhere with Minshew, and rode that to 11 wins. So, yeah, you can never count out Washington State. I just think uh, their, their talent level on defense is going to start to be a problem when you compare them to the other teams, uh, you know, like at, like at Washington or Utah. Uh, so defensively is an issue. And, yeah, I think that Minshew was an outlier in this system. Usually in the air raid in his system, it's a pocket passer, like Luke Falk or all those Texas Tech guys uh, when he was down there. They're pocket passers. They're very accurate and very, uh, you know, strong arms, but they're not elusive in the pocket and creating plays. And, that's what Minshew did. It brought a whole new element where now, you know, coverage had to, coverage had to last another second or two uh, in the secondary, and you had breakdowns all over the place, and their speed receivers were opening up. So basically what I'm getting at is I think Minshew was a, a total game changer. It'll be very tough to predict someone to replace him. I know they have four or five quarterbacks they're looking at. I'm sure he'll find a good one, but I just think that you're not going to be able to, to match the Minshew level. Uh, defense is an issue, and, uh, yeah, so – and they can't get past Washington either. I'm surprised that Utah has taken four straight times. I think finally they break through this year and and uh, and, and beat Leach. You mentioned BYU as being a possible difficult game, so you obviously have done something about BYU. What are you seeing from them? Yeah, and uh, to be uh, to be totally upfront, I mean I don't cover the Group of Five or the non-AQ teams uh, as in depth or really at all in my book. It's all Power Five. So, but I did glance at BYU a bit. I saw at the back half of the season with their young quarterback, they really surged offensively. They gave Utah a run for the money. I watched that game. Uh, yes, it was without a couple starters for Utah, but, I mean, that was a big lead they built up early, early in the game. Yeah, BYU's a tough out. Um, they always play t- uh, tough defense. I ran them through my game grader formula, and uh, like, I was, like I mentioned earlier, that's just for the 65 power five teams, but I wanted to see kind of where they would fall, you know, equivalently. Um, and they actually graded out middle tier of the Pac-12. They fit, they would have finished seventh in my game grader out of 12 in the Pac-12, uh, 36th out of 65 Power 5 teams. So pretty much a middle of the pack 
solid Power 5 team. Um, I think going there on the road uh, to open up the season, you know they've had that game circled for the last five months. Um, I mean, if, if Twitter's any indication, I know that to be true because I call this a 365-day rivalry. I mean, both, both yeah. fan bases are at each other's throats all season, all February. Any, any day of the year you log on Twitter, you see it going. So <laughs> I enjoy that. But, uh, but no, I think that it's going to be a, a pretty emotional, brutal game, and it's always tough. So I think the opening line's five. I'd probably, I'd probably go Utah, obviously, more than five, but not much more than ten. I think it's going to be pretty tight. All right, so tomorrow morning I want you to have a pork roll for me, okay? <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I might, uh, <laughs> might go down to Springfield a little bit. Get some no-shower happy hour, guys. Brett, we Man, appreciate lo- Love the references out here. <laughs> go ahead. And then we'll hit him with a couple more PKs in your wheelhouse. You love this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you put on pizza, Matt? Brett, excuse me, Brett. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I like sausage on the pizza. Uh, if you're down in Philly, uh, southeast or uh, South Philly, you get cheesesteak pizza. So there you go. Yeah, any way you can incorporate <laughs> cheesesteak in anything, it's kind of the main diet out here. So, um, yeah, love it, man. When I go to the Jersey Shore, I had a pork roll for breakfast, and then I have pizza and a cheesesteak for lunch, and then for dinner, I get a cheesesteak and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Mac and Mac is, right? Is it the Ocean City place? <laughs> Bingo, brother. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, you two will need to connect later. <laughs> yeah, we're setting some, uh, setting some records here for Utah Radio. I yeah. love it. I think there's no doubt. Brett, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Good luck this fall.